This is episode 75 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 75 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have another great episode for you coming from a gentleman by the name of Rob Chopra. So Rob is a person that I encountered on Instagram not too far back. He's a relatively new investor and he's got an interesting story thus far. His first deal, he actually lost $65,000. And rather than doing what most people would do when something like that happened, he he picked himself up, he got the education he needed, he surrounded himself with the people that he needed, and uh, he's absolutely doing a great job of a duplex conversion right now. So what we did is we dove deep into the current project that he's working on and we got into the fundamentals. We treated it like a case study to see where his profitability is going to be, how much down payment he's going to have, uh, what his cash flow is going to look like. So this is one property located in Welland, Ontario, and uh, it looks like he's going to get about $800 a month in cash flow. And he's also lined up a couple more projects that are going to be happening right after he finishes this one. So Rob basically took failure and used it to his own advantage. And uh, we go into a deep discussion about that today. And I think it's really valuable for anyone who wants to dig into the nuts and bolts, potentially some people who are newer to this uh, and are just looking for that extra push to uh, to dive right in. I think Rob's story is very inspiring. We also talked a little bit about the economy and what's going on uh, with the virus reaction and why we haven't really seen uh, a downturn in overall consumer spending attitude. I mean, of course, we saw consumer spending drop when the COVID-19 uh, virus initially hit and the lockdown initially hit. Uh, but what we've been seeing more is is that people really want to get back to enjoying life, want to hit up patios, want to do different things that are fun. Um, cottage country is absolutely booming right now. And uh, I personally think that the main reason this is happening is because the stock market has not stayed down. So there was the initial downturn, but now it's mostly recovered. And I think that's the main reason, because if you think about the baby boomer demographic, that group does not really have the ability to have their pensions uh, go down because they're relying on those for retirement funds. So had we seen that stay down, I think we would have seen a far more consistent uh, decrease in spending. As of right now, as long as this happens, I think it's actually either at least delaying what might happen or maybe even preventing. Again, it's very hard to know. No matter what, I do think we're in for a boatload of inflation to come out of this. So I definitely want to keep my money as much as reasonably possible in hard assets like real estate or potentially things like gold and silver that are going to hold their value even if our currency does in, in fact inflate significantly or even worse, potentially collapse. These are things that are possible. And if you look at the history of fiat currencies, currencies that are not backed by anything, not backed by gold, our currency used to be backed by gold, which stops it from inflating. Um, when you look at the history of fiat currencies, it always ends the same way. They always collapse and then need to be replaced. So it's just something to keep in mind. I am by no means giving advice here. I'm really just putting out the information, my thoughts, my opinions. Of course, you're, you're more than welcome to disagree with me. Uh, I, I welcome that because disagreement actually leads to progress, at least to more understanding, it leads to greater knowledge. So with that being said, for anyone who's new, if you're getting into this podcast and you hadn't previously really been following along, I highly recommend going right back to episode one, digging into the first 15 episodes, and then continue all the way through to the current episode, uh, because there's been so many people interviewed on this podcast that have a fantastic story. This podcast started in February 2019, so the information is still fresh, it's still relevant in today's market, and uh, 
you might as well benefit from what this podcast's wonderful guests have put out there. Uh, I also ask that you please take a moment, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't already subscribed and hit the notification bell so that we can stay in touch. And of course, make sure that more people find this podcast. Thanks so much for your continued loyalty. Please enjoy episode number 75 with Rob Chopra. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Rob Chopra on the show and uh, Rob's come on. He's going to talk about a project that he's working on right now. First off, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Andrew, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, well, you've, you've been an enthusiastic uh, supporter of the podcast. And, and I, you know, I know we were speaking quite a bit on Instagram. So um, do you mind just telling me a little bit of, a, of your backstory? Because we never actually chatted until today, aside from, uh, from some DMs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, I moved here back in 2004 um, for work. Uh, I used to work in the casino industry. And um, in 2011, I left that, went back to school. Um, now I'm working in the hydro field um, where I've been for about the last five years. So um, yeah, being uh, I live in Stony Creek now. Um, when I came up, I moved, moved to St. Catharines and I'm now in Stony Creek for the last few years, uh, where my wife and I got married a few years ago and uh, built a house. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, we're really happy to be here. I'm currently investing in the Niagara region. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about when you started investing and what you're investing in. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started investing in uh, late 2018. Um, basically, I started investing in myself first. Uh, I took on some real estate education and some mentorship and uh, coaching, and and I got into my first property um, in 2019. I got into a flip um, in the St. Catharines area. Um, the current project that uh, we're working on right now is a duplex conversion out in Welland. Uh, we purchased that property uh, earlier this year, back in March, actually. Kind of crazy story. It was uh, right at right at when COVID hit. We literally waived our conditions the uh, the day before uh, everything hit the fan on uh, Friday the thirteenth. So uh, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. So yeah, so my investing um, career really started in the last you know year and a half to close to two years. Um, taking on this first opportunity is uh, you know we're executing the bird strategy and and um, in a location that we're we're really happy with and somewhere where that uh, we know really well. Yeah. So you, um, you mentioned to me that you've got your home, uh, you did the flip and then, so is this your, the second property that you're kind of having your name right now, or I guess own as an investment right now? Yeah, uh, that's correct. So that, uh, that flip property closed uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, we so you sold it six months. Yeah, it sold. Yeah. Um, and how'd then, you do? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'll get vulnerable with you here first. Uh, you know, I actually lost a ton on that flip. Um, the after repair value didn't come in really where we had expected it to. And, and you know, we made uh, the mistake of uh, kind of over-renovating it. A lot of things I've learned. And, and knowing that was going to happen kind of going back to October, uh, November issue of 2019. And that's where I really um, dove into the fundamentals of my business and what I really wanted to do with real estate and why I wanted to be a real estate investor. So, um, I took my time. I started networking um, even more, um, reaching out to other investors in the area and just making relationships and learning a lot. And uh, came March of this year where I felt really good uh, getting into another property and it's going really, really well. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm surprised, uh, you know, losing on your first one. I don't know. I really don't know the stats on that. I didn't actually lose on my first one. I lost plenty, but not on the first one. Um, yeah. 
I, I'm just curious, like, what was it about that? Because most people would have just said, ah, no, <laughs> you know, this doesn't work for me. I lost. Uh, I'm not going to do this again. Um, if you, if you don't mind sharing, like what kind of, what kind of ballpark of cost are we talking, talking about losing and, and why did you keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the ballpark on that was about a $65,000 loss on that property. Um, our renovation, total renovation budget on that was about 140,000 bucks. Um, and because we carried it for a few extra months, um, based on the market at that time in the Niagara region. So, uh, our carrying costs, you know, we ended up with about three extra months than we had anticipated. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, I think uh, as a new investor, it's it's understanding that these are the challenges that you're going to face. And more importantly, not giving up, right? If it's something that's yeah. really important to you, just persevere, be consistent, reach out for help when you need it. I mean, the real estate community is quite a small community. I think we both know that, but we're all here to do the same thing. So, you know, with uh, with the help of other investors and mentorship, it, it uh, I just kept going. You know, I, I just have a bigger why um, of why I'm doing this in the first place. And I know not everything's going to be a home run. And I understand that, uh, you know, there's challenges and hurdles that we're going to face. And it's just a matter of not giving up because uh, there are a lot that do give up. Totally. And I would think most people in your position would have, which, you know, I commend you for not. And what did you learn what did you learn out of that experience? Like what are the main lessons you take away from it? I take away quite a few lessons. Um, one to be more like to have more of a contingency on my budgets. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is to really allow or not even allow, sorry, but like really to put the people in the places that are good at what they do. For my first project, I, we tried to project manage all of the trades um, ran into some delays with that. Um, in the city of St. Catharines, there was a big challenge of regarding the amount of permits and inspections that we needed as well. So we didn't have as many exit strategies on the property as I really would have liked. Um, so I did learn too about the fact of having multiple exit strategies when going into a property. You know, there's, there's some things to be said for, you know, the duplex conversion, um, requirements by the city of St. Catharines and your square footage that you're allowed versus, um, you know, a single family home. And so the cash flow perspective of it uh, wasn't going to meet. We weren't going to cash flow the property. We we're going to be losing month over month. So I learned a lot out of that, of what it takes to be a very intuitive, uh, attentive uh, investor and also like when to really reach out. Yeah, that's, Hey, that's such a great lesson. Um, you know, I know it sucks to go through it, but, but the fact that, that you've internalized exactly what it is you don't, you don't want to do, you know, you know, not to do it next time. Uh, yeah. you, the contingencies are huge, right? The plan A, B, and C was a big thing for me. Uh, and you look at your specific example, if, if your plan B had been rented out and I know it will cash flow because I know my market rent and I know what my expenses will be. And I know at very least, I don't need to realize my loss. If things go bad, I don't need to realize my loss. I can, I can hang tight until the market kind of comes back until we pay off a bit of the mortgage with the cash flow, um, or just with even break even cash flow, knowing that your mortgage is going to pay down and you might re recoup some of that. So I know it sucks going through it, but it's almost like a university tuition and things not to do again. And, uh, the way you learn those lessons, you never forget. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point, Andrew. Like it's, it's, you know what you just have to do quote unquote better right the next time mm -hmm. and if it's something that's really important to you that you know real estate is something that you want to pursue i think mm -hmm. 
if there's a lot to be learned from experiences like that, hey man, I wouldn't give anything back in the world for that. You know, I learned yeah. so much from that project. Um, so it was a great experience. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds like it was one. So you talked about uh, getting into coaching. Give me a little bit of a timeline. You know, what what specific coaching you opted into. Uh, you, you don't need to give names. You can if you want. Um, and, uh, and then when you found my podcast, when you found, I think greater Hamilton REI meetup, you were going to come to that at one point, never got a chance to. So, uh, just tell me a little bit about that progression over the last little while. Yeah. Uh, the great, I'll talk about the great REI uh, meetup first. It kind of COVID, um, really threw a wrench in that. And, uh, I know we have had some discussions prior on Instagram and, and, uh, an avid listener of your podcast for sure. Um, your podcast has helped me with many different episodes because there's been some fantastic investors where I've learned a lot from, um, within your podcast, but the mentorship really came, um, from the other investors in the network itself. Uh, I just simply reached out, I explained, I became vulnerable and I just reached out for help. Um, and then what I had done, um, just going back just a few months now is I actually took on a coaching program, um, that's going to be on for the next few months. I'm actually taking on another one come this August, uh, with another investor, which is a more personalized one-on-one experience. So, um, I continue just to read, research, reach out, follow people. Um, and just ask questions and nice. Did you, did you have a coach before that first one that you lost the money on? No, I, uh, I'm actually a rich dad student. So I took the uh, rich dad education program. Okay. Um, you took rich dad and felt empowered, but there was a couple of, a couple of missteps regardless. And yeah. 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 Did you enjoy that, that coaching as well? Um, I did. It was, um, you know, I took a lot out of it. I, I, you know, had a little bit of experience in the, in the real estate side of kind of understanding the, the fundamentals of real estate investing. Um, one thing I really enjoyed about that course was the creative financing. It really opened my eyes and the contacts that I'm having through that. Okay. So for private financing and things along those lines. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And the thing I'll say is like, when I see you post off and, you know, even when we were talking and you've even sent me some numbers, you, you seem to know your stuff. Like when you're talking, uh, you know, I saw your Instagram videos walking through your, um, your property, um, and, and talking about what you're doing. And I thought, uh, you know, you described what was happening. Well, uh, you seem to really be into the details of your project, which I'm very much that way. Like I want to know all the little finer details going on. Not that I want to do the work myself, uh, but by knowing it and understanding it, it's a lot easier to be able to know what makes sense and what doesn't for pricing, for timing, all those things. So, there's a, there's certain like management trainee programs that some, some companies have that like, if you're going to be a manager, they'll actually have you work in production first, just so you understand it. And yeah. I think that's so valuable, especially in real estate, like to have, you know, done a little framing yourself, to have done a little bit of work yourself. So you just understand what goes into that stuff and, uh, and it'll help you a little bit more along the way. Um, and I know it's not always not obvious, but that's something that I've, uh, I've seen. So, um, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about the, the current deal? Cause that's the one I saw you posting on. And, uh, and for anyone who, who, uh, you know, is wondering, you know, should I post on social and, and should I be sharing this stuff? Absolutely. You should, because you might just get be asked, you get, you might just get asked to be on the podcast and talk about it. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. It's in Welland, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's in Welland, Ontario. Yeah, and uh, honestly enough, yeah, thanks a lot for reaching out regarding that. It's I think I do think social media presence and just showing your journey is really really important. Um, so I definitely recommend it, and that's how I got on this podcast. So I appreciate that, Andrew. Um, 
Yeah, so the, the project is in, in Welland, Ontario. It's a single family home that, uh, that we're converting to a legal duplex. Um, it is in a very uh, respectable area of like somewhere where we, where we found to be a great place to invest in Welland, I should say. Um, so it, the home is kind of unique in its own way. The home is only about three and a half years old. Um, we kind of fell upon this property. It was listed on the MLS. I, I worked with one of my realtors um, for that project. Um, and so it's about a thousand square feet, the property itself, it's two bedroom up and downstairs was an existing one bedroom, uh, unit. Now where the already a duplex. HVAC, no, no, sorry. I, I shouldn't have said it was a one bedroom unit. It was two plus one bedroom single okay. family home. Yeah. yeah. And at the time it was currently tenanted, um, by, by three students in the area. And, um, we were able to get vacant possession of the property, which was great. So, uh, we took on this project like i said we waived the conditions on the 12th of march right before friday the 13th and then uh, we close on this property on april 30th so uh, what we did is this duplex conversion the upstairs is hasn't really been touched there was kind of like an overhang basically to the front foyer which we boarded up and then the basement we relocated the hvac and the hot water heater um, and the hrv unit out to kind of the center of the of the space and the basement unit created the second bedroom downstairs Okay. So, so before, okay. So you just made the decision to go for a duplex and uh, just to dumb it down for anybody who's, who, who hasn't been following for long. Um, why duplex just get into the main reasons why we do that. I know we're kind of taking, taking a step back just to kind of simplify it, but why did you want to do that? What did you see, you know, prior to getting into it was the benefit of doing this? Yeah, it's, um, it's creating multifamily, right? For me personally, for, for my businesses, I want to carry multifamily homes in my portfolio and having an opportunity to create two units within one home for cash flow purposes is really why we took on this project. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess with the experience of the flip two, realizing the difference in the cash flow numbers <laughs> was, was something that came across within this project to say, you know, let's create that legal second unit. The city of Welland is actually quite, um, easy to work with uh, when it comes to permits. And so taking on this, the whole reasons behind the fundamentals of this were, you know, the home is unique in its own way, three and a half years old, which was pretty nice. It was on a nice size lot, a good community. Um, creating two units, our cash flow numbers looked pretty good based on our after repair value that other investors were getting on refinances in the area. So you did, you um, did your research, you scouted out, what should I be able to get for rent? And, and what do you think you're going to get for rent when you're all done? Just, just so we know. Yeah. So about $3,200 gross 3, on the property. So we're looking for 1800 up and 1400 down. Once again, speaking with other investors, that's generally the number that they're getting on their units um, within the area. And that's, that's, um, so that's something that they already are getting. Okay. So that's not speculative. Yeah. That's something they already are getting. I speculated way too much on my flip. <laughs> I don't like speculating. Yeah, I'm no. with you there. I'm not. A, I'm not a speculation fan. I mean, certain things like if you know, you you know, you 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 pull on previous experience that you have in other areas, and you say, I know if that worked there, it'll work here. Uh, that I like, but I don't like blind speculation where you you know you're just kind of gambling. Um, so you sent me some numbers ahead of time. Um, obviously, you know, the idea here is you're never going to get thirty two hundred dollars in Welland for a single house. Like I, not unless it's probably like yeah. a million dollar house. And even then there's probably not a market for that. So, so the main reason here is if you can add yeah. a second family in there, they can reasonably pay you that money. It's not a stretch. There'd be a lot of people that could pay those rents that you're specifying. Um, Absolutely. 
Okay, what, what do you see as the, the draw in Welland? Tell me a little bit about Welland as a city, where, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, uh, and where you see it going. That's a great question, Andrew. Uh, what really drew me to Welland uh, is kind of the whole Niagara region in itself. When I first moved here, it, it has a very special place in my heart. I'm very comfortable with the area. Um, within my business, that's one thing that's really important to me is investing in areas that I know. And so with Welland, also through networking with other investors, I had realized there's a lot of investors that are currently investing in Welland as well. And so I was able to pick their brain and get some information and background as to the pros and cons uh, of investing there. One of the things I really do like is that the location is very close to the border. So it allows, um, you know, if you have families that are living in your units to transfer over the border, if they're working there, vice versa, you have a lot of traffic that's coming back through. Um, there are pockets, obviously, in Welland that um, that can pose a challenge just with your demographic. Um, but I think, once again, that goes back to your fundamentals of, of what areas you really want to invest in. So there was a lot of due diligence put in before choosing the area of Welland that we were going to purchase property in. Um, there's, we're very close. There's quite a few schools in the area. Um, there's churches. It's, you know, we're right on a major bus route. There's Niagara College is not far away. Um, which allows us for multiple exit strategies on that side too, of the type of tenants that we're going to get. And I think it's a very growing community. I mean, when you come into Welland, one of the first exits coming in is there's all new build. Yeah. And grocery stores, Walmart, schools, homes, mm -hmm. um, which presented a really good opportunity. For me, I think it's a lot like price of infrastructure, right? Like people are getting yeah. pushed out of the Toronto GTA market, pushed out of the Burlington Hamilton market. Uh, they just keep getting pushed, pushed further from Toronto. And I've always seen Welland as this, uh, mm -hmm. this, it's just the next place that they settle. <laughs> and then after yeah. that, it'll be Port Colburn and Fort Erie, you know, is, is roughly running in line with that. Um, as people get pushed because in Ontario, uh, the province wants to intensify use of land. They don't want to allow people to expand. Uh, and, and, you know, move into the country. And uh, I think there could be a number of arguments for why. But uh, so really what it comes down to is they want people to develop where there's existing infrastructure. They have existing sewage treatment plants, existing sewers and, and, and roadways and, and water management. Um, so you're kind of leveraging that, that Welland was this kind of depressed market in the past. But now people are just spilling in there because it's the next logical place to go. Um, yeah. Now we add in COVID to the mix and, and um, the fact that a lot of people are going to be able to work from home going forward. Um, I, I'd say that that probably means good things for Welland. Seeing as yeah. price point wise, like where's Welland relative to the rest of Ontario, Rob? Like in terms of average price point. Yeah, the average price point, I mean, even back in March was was quite good. Um, we've been working on a couple of deals in the last uh, two months or so that, you know, there's a lot of properties that are actually going over asking. So it is it is going up. Right. What I could use it for relativity is really to the city of St. Catharines, right? Um, originally investing in St. Catharines, uh, I was like, okay, the cost of homes, what was the cash flow numbers going to be? versus going out to Welland for the cost of homes, what was the cash flow numbers going to be? And we realized that it was a little bit cheaper. Like you mentioned, it's like moving a little bit further out of the GTA or the GTHA if you want to keep moving down the QEW. So that was really a deciding factor. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are some multiple offers. There's not a hot ton of supply on the market currently right now unless you're in off-market deals. But um yeah, that was yeah. really the driving factor. Your number, it's just numbers driven. Yeah. Well, and it, it, what I was getting at there is it's low, right? Like, and, yeah. and when I look at the fundamentals of 
what's happening and we can break down the current situation with the virus reaction a bit more, but um, look at these fundamentals, the shift away from working in offices, people are naturally going to flock to areas that are cheaper. So their money goes further. And uh, I I think that's, that's just a natural human response. So given that, well, and you know, I think you could probably still get the average home for in the three hundreds there. Yeah. You're looking about high threes now. Yeah. Higher threes. Yeah. Depending on the condition, probably nicer, you know, but you know, your case in point, you bought a new house. Like it was relatively new three years old. You said, I think. Yeah. Three and a half years old. Yeah. 415,000. You said you bought it for. That's correct. 415. And funny enough, Andrew, there's one that was just listed recently. It's the same type. I think the same builder Mm -hmm. layout similar to similar to, and it's actually listed at 499. Oh, wow. It's right around the corner. (laughs) And what are you expecting as an after repair value on the one you're working on? So uh, I'm being very, very conservative. Um, I'm going with a 500,000 after repair value on this property after creating a legal duplex. Once again, reason being for the, especially not assuming is there, there's other investors that are getting that 500 K mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the after repair value based on our renovations, it was like, well, this is kind of a no brainer. You know, we are leaving a little bit of money in the deal, but I think we're getting a lot out of the property considering the age of it and the low maintenance that it may take on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love the the fact that it's newer. Um, yeah. you know, that would be something super appealing to me, especially if I wasn't planning on doing any significant work in the upper unit. I want to know that it was modern, you know, ABS, all that stuff. Well, you don't really need to worry about that. You know, it's modern. Hopefully yeah. it was built well too. Um, yeah. and it looks like it does, <laughs> it does from your videos. Uh, yeah. so, so you've got that. Obviously you, you mentioned the basement, what you were doing is moving some things around so it works. And then I mm-hmm. saw, of course, you, you, you know, sectioned off the upstairs staircase and you put in the mm-hmm. laundry unit upstairs. Uh, and of yeah. course, you're going to have to firewall up that area um, for the separate entryway. So your criteria for this one, was it that you had a side access? Is that what you were looking for, like for the, for the basement unit? Yeah, so this actually is a rear entrance. So here's the challenge that we faced on this. Um, the house is less than five years old. And our original plan on this property was actually to use the main entrance as the entrance for both units. But due to the fact that it's less than five years old, we actually can't use the same vestibule or the same space. And that was a hurdle that we faced after the fact. So you didn't so know I, about this before you bought it? You bought it and then figured it out? Yeah, this was this was one challenge that we really faced. Luckily enough, Having said that, because I'm always looking either for side entrances or rear entrances, mm-hmm. there is an entrance to from to the upper unit from the rear. And okay. so um, we're just building kind of a pathway around the property and then yeah. go up in, in the rear entrance. Again, I loved your videos because you showed you showed that. So you're gonna put a concrete sidewalk in there, it sounds like, and, and yeah. that'll be that'll be access for the for the rear unit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's handy. I, I personally think five hundred thousand is um, is a silly, silly low number compared to what you see in other markets relative to the cash flow you're talking about. Like a $3,200 a month rent. Um, I think that same rent in Hamilton, you know, you're going to be getting ARVs much, much over 600. Um, yeah. Now, granted, the economics are different. Hamilton's got more going on. And I, I understand why there would be the adjustment. But for me as an investor, and this is totally just my opinion, areas like this where, where we, we can see a logical reason for people to come there um, and then also we see really, really affordable price points to get in at. Uh, I think there's mm. good future potential there. I really do. Because it's affordable, right? Like think about how many yeah. Canada, Canadians just can't really afford the rents that are being charged in Hamilton anymore. What happens when yeah. they have to move out? Now, of course, that can lead to, you know, maybe potentially you're getting a mixed demographic of tenant. Um, 
you haven't had to deal directly with tenants there yet, have you? No, not at this property. And, and you know, we're actually not even going to go through with uh, property management on this property. It's one thing where we really want to kind of have that decision making of, you know, screening our tenants and, and choosing, yeah. you know, who we're putting in our properties. But yeah, we haven't gone through that. And I wanted to make a point. That's another good point that you made about the Hamilton market versus versus the Welland market is, you know, the price point is really the deciding factor there. Right. I mean, you're seeing rents maybe in the Hamilton area of, you know, 35 up and down combined gross and the property is going, you know, 500,000 or mid fives, depending on, let's say, what type of property bungalow. So you were finding 3,200 a month rent for for mid fives in Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. In in discussion with other investors. Yeah. Um, Okay. You know, as a completed duplex. Yeah. Because I know I've heard it, I've heard investors getting uh, appraisals up to six fifty on their on their completed duplex conversions. Yeah, so that's where I'm kind of getting to, right? Is like you're getting a six fifty ARV at a purchase price in the five to five fifty. So kind of going back to mm-hmm. just why I chose Welland, right? It's just a much yeah. cheaper price point, just an easier entry. Um, yeah. And of course, you're pointing out something that you know a lot of people want these duplex conversions, which has squeezed mm-hmm. those margins. It really has squeezed them in Hamilton. I've I've talked to multiple people who are, you know, by the time they're done, they're you know they're not even getting all of their renovation money back out on their refi. And, uh, it's, it's a little tough, right? On one hand, I still see totally the value because to me, I want to know what's done right. And if I did it myself, you know, if I hired the people and, and watched the progress and know it was done right, if I'm planning on keeping that long term, I really like that because I know, I know what's behind those walls and behind those ceilings. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that certainly is nice. Let's look a little bit uh, more at these numbers. So you sent me a sheet but this is a new trend. People are starting to send me sheets. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Yeah, uh, why not, right? At least we're looking at the same thing that way, right? Yeah. I'm used to, to coming up with it on the fly. But uh, now that I've put this spreadsheet out there, I see it, I see it floating around in Instagram stories and stuff, which is uh, actually pretty cool. Um, this is a fantastic spreadsheet, Andrew. And, you know, thanks for sharing that. Like, it's it's a great it's a great spreadsheet. Well, yeah, thanks. I'm glad it's helpful. So um, so you, you've bought for four, uh, 415 uh, you're looking at putting in uh, $65,000. And uh, so you've done your rentals, or your, your numbers a little different here, but let's just add those uh, those two up real quick here. So you'll be in for $480. you are expecting your new mortgage. Well, you had closing costs too. So that's nice. You yeah. included those. So we'll add those in. Um, and I even put the carrying costs in there too, right? I mean, conservatively, oh, yeah. I put six months of carrying, right? Love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> So this is the thing that a lot of people, uh, a lot of people don't do. Um, they don't factor their carrying costs. Um, for me, early on, um, I was using private money, and I calculated some silly number. I think I think at one point I was like four hundred dollars a day or something in interest. I, it's been a while, so I'd have to go back to my actual uh, numbers. But I was borrowing a lot of private money. So to me, I took it so seriously, and I was on I was on site every day, and I wouldn't. That's why I was like uh, drill sergeant. I know people weren't there. I'm like, where are you? It's nine oh five. You were supposed to be here at eight. Um, so you know, like just just kind of being on top of that, understanding that you know carrying time matters. And I'm, I'm a really big fan of having a, a way of, 
hedging it. You know, if you, if you can put a tenant upstairs while you, while you wait for the one downstairs to finish or something like that, if there's a way you can do that and soften the blow so that you buy yourself more time, more mm-hmm. time makes, it allows you to make better decisions. It allows yeah. you to, to, to not react impulsively or emotionally. So, um, so you were, it looks like you were all in here for, so your purchase was five, four fifteen, um, 65 renos, uh, carrying costs 6,500 and then carrying, oh, sorry, closing costs 6,500 carrying costs about 12,400. So just short of, of $500,000 here. Um, and your ARV is $500,000. So it looks like when you go back and you do your refinance, you're going to be roughly 80% loan to value. You're going to, you're going to basically pull out your renovation costs here. That's right. We're going to pull out just, uh, maybe even a couple thousand dollars more, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, pulling the renovation cost out, I think at the minimum, yeah. right. And then seeing the ROI kind of on that moving forward. So, right. Yeah. So, so you're all in for, um, I guess you broke it down here. Uh, you're going to refinance. So originally your numbers, you're thinking, well, I'm in for 83,000 as my down payment plus the 65 mm-hmm. plus the closing costs plus the carrying costs. So you had 166, but really you're going to refinance a bunch of those out. So you'll be yeah. closer, you'll be closer to about a hundred, um, hundred thousand. It looks like you updated this number. So you're in for a hundred thousand after your refi. Oh, you did all the work for me. I love <laughs> I this. Did it all for you, man. So yeah, after absolutely. the refi, after the refi, Rob's going to be at a $400,000 mortgage, a 30 year amortization. You're figuring 2.94%. So your monthly payments, 16, 69, 67 on that. Um, and we'll get into your exact cash flow numbers, but you're figuring, even though you're going to have 20% in, 20% into this deal, you're figuring still you're going to get 39.15% return on investment per year. Yeah, for in the, in the first years, yeah, especially. So like the 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 fact of leaving about, you know, 99 or $100,000 in the deal, I kind of looked at it and went, well, the return on investment per year, the fact that it's unique property and being newer, it was one of those things, you know, executing that unicorn was going to be really tough on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think just even in general, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the perfect burr is, you know, you ask anybody, it's not easy to do. Uh, I think people pull it off when they have a real niche uh, approach to, to what they're doing. Like, you know, I've talked about going after heritage properties or going after properties that people don't want. If you have a special yeah. angle on them, I think those are the times that, that you pull it off. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. Just looking at your cash flow numbers here, you've subbed a bunch of things in for me. So taxes, you've got 4,032 a year insurance. You're figuring 18, 12, um, yep. which is great. Cause a lot of people are, are you know, curious what, what's insurance going to cost me. So that sounds like a pretty reasonable number for, for the space you've got the two units. Uh, there might be room to save a few hundred bucks on that, but that's pretty, pretty in line with what I would expect. Maintenance. Yeah, that's about 151 a month, roughly. Okay. Yeah. So maintenance, you're budgeting five um, percent. That's something I might budget a bit more on. Uh, so that that works out to be about two grand a year. Again, like I look at it, like what are the things that go into that number? Am I going to paint the place? Like, what if that tenant leaves at the end of the year? If I have to paint the whole place, that money's gone. Um, so just things like that, I try and factor. But you're a newer property, so I can see the argument for wanting to go a little lower on your on your maintenance budget. Um, yeah. Lawn cutting, you're doing well. So I guess you got tenants doing their own snow removal. Um, yeah, so the tenants will be doing the snow removal and I put in the lawn cutting currently just because we have somebody, uh, I have somebody doing the lawn cutting throughout the renovations. So okay. I'm still budgeting that for the year. Right. That's a great price, but 480 a year. So I'm, I'm paying on my properties. I think like with HST, including fall prop, fall cleanup, um, I'm probably closer to like 800, um, which 
I don't like paying that much, but this guy's pretty good and he makes it really easy on me. There's definitely some areas I could save a bit more. And, uh, you know, in London, if people yeah. have really good contacts, of course, I'm all ears. Like I want people that, that, you know, are, are really helpful and, you know, just get things done. So, uh, but yeah, that's okay. So well, these numbers look solid and you've, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's okay. I was going to say, when you come down to Welland, I have a, I have a contact for you. You got a contact for me. All right. So <laughs> it, it is the other reason it's so good to talk to other investors. Cause you can, even if they're in another area, if, if you find out they're getting a cheaper deal, then you just, okay, well, whatever you're doing, I got to be able to recreate that here. It sends me on a mission. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so you've got a net cash flow uh, monthly on this property. You're figuring $801. And, um, as I've talked about lately, I'm going to just bring it into my discussion more. The what ifs, and that's what what I like to call sensitivity analysis. So performing sensitivity on your assumptions. So, and that's really just hey, what if I'm wrong about something? What if what if it actually is more expensive than I think? So even if your maintenance is 10, percent uh, you're still 640 dollars uh, cash flow. Um, you know, you're not going to have a roof problem or anything like that on something so new. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. There's nothing serious happening. Hopefully happens. not. You, you just rock and roll. <laughs> is this a is this a JV? This is, yeah, Andrew, it's a JV. Actually, there's uh, three of us that have partnered up together on this. Um, okay. So we have one of our partners. He's our, uh, he's our capital partner um, at a 50% interest. And then uh, there's two of us that are active uh, managing partners for the other, for the remaining 50% okay. interest in the property. Yeah. And uh, where'd you meet these people? So actually, they're, um, they're very good friends of mine, and we all work together. Oh, okay. um, so we've been in, yeah, so we've been in discussion about real estate for you know, quite some time. Um, between all of us and we decided, Hey, why not? Let's jump into a JV together. And it was something that I was exploring something. I think that's a little bit more common these days, especially. And I kind of really wanted to get into that space and, and, um, helping others. Right. And receiving the same value back. So yeah, we know each other very, very well and we're really happy with the deal and, and working together. That's awesome, Rob. It looks like a, it looks like a good deal. Are you, are you looking for more of these? Like what's, what's the end game? What's the goal here? Like, what are you, what are you going to try and do, you know, when this completes and going forward? Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely looking for more of these. Andrew, funny enough, just earlier this week, we uh, locked up our next two projects um, that we're going to be working on. One's closing on August the 27th. And then we have another one closing the end of September, uh, which is good. So we're kind of trying to, you know, move the team to teams. So the goal really is, is, not around number of doors. It's actually around cash flow, and it's around monthly passive income um, to get me to the end goal. So, uh, working with my current partners now, and I'm obviously looking for other partners to work with uh, moving forward um, and be involved together. So, really, the end goal is is a couple. You know, I think this is speaking a lot to my why, and it's not even really necessarily about the financial freedom and being able to leave my job, but it's actually being being able to pass on my knowledge, my experiences, my mentorship, my coaching to others to help newer investors even realize or any investor that, you know what, this works, right? Real estate investing works. Mm -hmm. It's a great weight income or supplement your income in the long run. And so one of the big things that I want to do by paying that back is I would like to get into mentorship and coaching. And, you know, I look up, I look up to a lot of very prominent investors, a lot of which you've interviewed um, on your podcast. So uh, yeah, it's um, I'm just bring it on. But the big thing is really is just taking my time, right? I'm not in a rush. I'm really trying to plan these projects so that we don't get overwhelmed so that I don't get into situations where, you know, there might be a lot of capital at, at, uh, you know, at risk. Um, 
just trying to take advantage of as much as I possibly can and putting things in the right places to um, alleviate my risk. Yeah, and, and what's kind of on the topic of risk, like what kind of, I know we've talked about the potential benefit of, of the COVID effect here, um, mm-hmm. looking at the economy, what might happen, you know, not knowing how Trudeau is going to handle things. Um, <laughs> you know, w- what do you see as potential risks coming at you and how do they affect your, your, your business plan? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest risks that we might face is with appraisals. Um, and after repair values. Um, so I always look at being as conservative as possible because we really don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not here to time the market and try to figure out when is the best time to invest. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we're going to face um, with the upcoming times. The other challenge is um, tenant turnover, right? I think um, that there's something to be said about you know, longer term versus shorter term tenants, um, how long people are willing to stay. I mean, look, we re- we have to show these units as well upon completion. Uh, we're expecting to show them for uh, within the next few weeks. We should be done the first week of August. And so another challenge with that due to COVID is, you know, how many people we're going to be able to take through the house, mm-hmm. you know, um, how many, how big of a group are we going to have the, you know, the, the, right. the social distancing guidelines? I feel like people are, are, are making do I've seen, you know, <laughs> real estate seems to have resumed. Uh, people are back to, you know, initially when COVID started, you had to have an offer in before you can go see a place. And now it's yeah. back, you can just go see a place. Um, you know, aside, you know, if it wasn't for the masks, uh, and you know, kind of the visual reminder constantly, I think a lot of people would just be acting normal. Um, yeah. But, uh, but those are, you know, sort of there, you know, for better or for worse, keeping people in check. And, um, I think you'll be okay on that front, but I mean, of course you can increase the reliance on technology. Of course you can do the video tours. I think it's a great time to start using those virtual tours, um, using your Mm -hmm. online integrations the best you can so that, um, you can really minimize the amount of people that actually see the property. And I had one that I showed through this. Uh, I I just said, no, no showings until you, you complete the, you know, the intro questionnaire. Um, we're going to set one date and one date only, and that's the date. And, uh, that actually worked out really well. So if all four showed up, all four wanted it and, uh, and one got it. But I wanted to comment on this because it's been on my mind and, and, you know, you can chime in and give me your thoughts here. Uh, but I was thinking today about why is it like, cause this is not normal conduct in, in a, in a, an economy that's in recession. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not normal that, that we're going to see, and, and we are seeing an increase in spending so quickly. Um, there hasn't, there hasn't been that depressing effect. And I was thinking about it some more and, you know, why is that? And it's because, the very odd thing has happened that our, our stock market has not crashed. Our stock market, you know, had its dip yeah. and it came back up and it doesn't really make sense because corporations initially were not able to sell. Um, you know, certainly we're going to have, we're going to have effects of this, but I think as long as the stock market's up, it's like it, it delays what might, what could happen. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you see it that way or if you have any other thoughts on that. I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you on that side. Like, I'm not a huge stock market guy in the perspective of really following the market, but I think one of the challenges that we are facing is the, the influx of the money from that's coming from behind. I mean, we're printing the dollar not backed by much of anything, uh, maybe more so of an opinion, not much backed by a ton of facts, but um, that's really what's happening here. And, and having said that, I think that's going to have an effect on the market overall, maybe in the long run. I mean, once again, I, I, 
don't time the market. I don't try to time the market. Mm -hmm. I just try to work with the numbers and what's there. Because I think in reality, one of the things I mean about housing is like a lot of people say, oh, my house is worth, you know, $750,000. Well, when you sell it and if you get seven fifty dollars for it, or when you get it appraised and you do a refinance for seven fifty dollars on it versus the way I look at it is this is what I paid for it. It's a tangible asset. And it cash flows in this current state. And in my opinion, it's worth what it is when I refinance. Yeah. And I, I think that you kind of even get beyond needing it to be worth a certain number if you know your cash flows there, right? You know that yeah. time will take care of you in terms of real estate values. It always does. And the main, the main reason is inflation because our dollar just keeps becoming worth less and less. And, yeah. and our government keeps tacking on more regulation, more taxation on everything. So the existing things that already exist just go up in value to match what everything else costs. So uh, resale yeah. homes, if you own them, they're going to be driven by our new construction, which just keeps getting more and more expensive. I'd love to see the day where it gets, you know, half as expensive to build. That'd be really cool. Um, it'd, be, it'd be incredible. <laughs> I could build a new home for myself. I really would, would enjoy that. Um, just going back to, to my point with the stock market, I, I think um, what, I what I was trying to get at there with, with it is, is that I, I think there's a confidence that people have because a lot of these baby boomers that have no money to lose and they're just about to retire, um, if their pensions had just shot down to the ground and hadn't come back up, they would have become very conservative in their spending. But because it came back up, um, we're seeing people spend a lot more. Like people are out. They want to, they want to go enjoy the summer now. And, uh, you know, they don't want to live like, like this is recession, uh, which is a nice thing in a lot of ways. I don't know if we're just delaying something. Uh, you know, that's the thing. I think this is uncharted territory for, for a lot of people. Well, and it should be like no one, no one's ever been in this situation before. Uh, so here's hoping it comes back, uh, soon and we can, we can resume life, uh, as it should be. (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. But, uh, what, uh, where, where should we send people, Rob, if, uh, if they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. I can be reached on uh, Instagram at rob.chopra. Um, I can be reached by email at rob at modernimageproperties.com. And uh, I'm on Facebook at Rob Chopra, C-H-O-P for Peter okay. R-A. Awesome. And I'll, I'll post yeah. those in the show notes and Rob, anything that you would want to share, um, you know, as a word of wisdom, I know you've actually been through a lot in your, your short time as a real estate investor. So, um, lay it on us. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that I want to share is, is one, be consistent, but to be conservative and don't ever try to make numbers work on an investment. Let the numbers work for themselves. And I think when you surround yourself with people that have experience, have knowledge in the game, um, and are willing to provide you counsel or coaching, I think, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to grow as an individual. You know, a lot of people say speed to the lead. I like one thing that Corey McKinnon mentioned um, a little while ago on one of his shows. He said, um, let the good deals go so that you can take advantage of the great deals. And that really resonated with me. I think that's, I think that's really important. So my advice would be don't be in a rush, be conservative and surround yourself with people that, you know, you can trust and that have your best interests in mind. 
and go from there and happy real estate investing. Yeah. Lo- love what you said there. And, and yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It, it, yeah. you, there is no need to go out and, and, and pick up five properties this year. You can, some people will, but you don't need to, you need to grow responsibly. And I think that's been a, a nice theme between this episode and the previous episode is, uh, is responsible growth. And, you know, mm-hmm. we know what happens. I'm a testament to it. You're a test to it, a testament to it. it you know, when you, you go a little too fast or, or you didn't quite get all the advisors or you didn't quite create the circle of people you needed for support, mistakes mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And uh, if we can avoid them, obviously we want to, but if we make them, then we learn from them and their, their tuition. So either way, I guess you win. <laughs> yeah, you totally win. And I mean, like it, once again, it's just, you know, I was kind of shy of reaching out to people, just reach out, you know, Andrew, that's how you and I met, yeah. you know, and, and after this many months, I just literally reached out and was vulnerable and was like, Hey, you know, what's your thoughts or, Hey, I love what you're doing or whatever. Yeah. I think more people need to ask more questions. We're yeah. all here to do the same thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of, in the real estate world, and I really appreciate this about you. There's no ego there. Like, you know, you just want to learn, um, you know, you're, you're very open about that. And I think that it, people in our community love that. Like, you know, there's a lot of knowledge out there and people want to share, people want to help. Um, I'm not sure if you've been in touch with Scott Zanbergen, but he's helping a lot of people yeah. out well in, well in area. He knows his stuff. So he'd certainly be able to give you lots of tips. Um, you know, yeah. he came to every single greater Hamilton REI meetup and helped so many people. So, you know, thanks to Scott for, for doing that. Um, yeah. you know, and helping people in that area. Um, that's great. So yeah, it's, it's good that you guys are connected and it's, it's good that, you know, there's again, if anyone who's listening to this, we're not hosting the meetups right now, but we do still have the group on Facebook that people still chime in. So you can join that group through, uh, the link in the show notes, but I can't uh, wait till the meetups start again. And, yeah. You know, there's, there's a big shout out to a lot of investors here that have helped me and you all know who you are. And, yeah. and you know, I, I really value those relationships, man. Yeah, no, I, I value this too. Like the, you know, the connection from starting the podcast to starting the meetup and the, in the sphere of, of people that are all around in this area, the community is just amazing. Yeah, it really is. It is next level. And there's so many things that people are accomplishing that just wouldn't have been possible if, if it wasn't for it. So yeah, I'm grateful for it too. And, you know, I'm happy we were able to meet. Rob, keep up what you're doing. Um, it's Appreciate it's that. great. And, uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to seeing how these next couple of deals uh, unfold for you. That's fantastic, Andrew. Once again, thanks so much for having me today. And, uh, you know, to everybody else, feel free to reach out anytime. I'm always happy to help. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for watching today's episode. Just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell. Uh, And also leave a comment. And hey, while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help? It helps this podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.